Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vergara. What's going on, everybody? Happy New Year, everybody. We have Nick Gray back on the show, and we actually recorded this uh, like a few days ago, right before the turn of the new year, talking about Fandroid's list of the top items, let's say tech, because it's not just um, smartphones, it's plenty of other stuff, of 2021. Uh, Pocket Now, of course, has just put out their list right before the turn of the new year, so make sure you check that out at pocketnow.com. But since at the time of recording this, this, um, uh, we had Nick on, uh, and they did have theirs out on Fandroid. We decided to go through that list on this show. We also talk a little bit about what's to come. Obviously, in a couple of days, we have ourselves CES 2022. Uh, so we talk a little bit about what to expect from the show and um, a few developments around it. With all that said, though, let's go ahead and get into this first episode in the new year of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. Enjoy. Record, and I will hit record. There we go. good to be back on a podcast um i will admit it's not been the easiest thing to come back to like doing the podcast because everyone has different schedules and since we're always like remote like last week you had family over and then jaime is constantly on the road and we were in well i not you unfortunately were in hawaii but before that we were in laguna and like it's kind of hard to figure out who and where and how to like do episodes on a weekly basis um also it's like a lot of end of the year fatigue so this is kind of our way of coming back together before the end of the year to talk about the year and to talk about what's ahead. Yeah, it's kind of nice to not have a whole lot of news to talk about, um, but kind of reminisce on, you know, what's been good this year, but also what's coming up around the corner, because there's going to be a lot of news coming up within the next week or so. Yes. Um, if you haven't checked your calendar, CES is right around the corner, if it happens. <laughs> Indeed. And we are going to be talking about that a little bit more at length later. Uh, we will go ahead and put it out there at the beginning of the show, though, that at least Nick and myself, the people you're listening to in this show, will be at CES. Now, before anybody's like starts yelling at their radio <laughs> in their car, um, want to make it very clear that despite so many people pulling out of the show, companies and media alike... Um, our attendance there, and Nick and I have talked about this at length, um, we're going to be so dialed back because there are obligations we have at the show, which will then become our only priorities while there. So we're really yeah, making sure to not be around a lot of things. Yeah, the my calendar has been scaled back significantly since, you know, we started making plans for CES and, you know, companies backing out of CES does make a difference there. But honestly, all of the companies that backed out of CES were software companies mainly and things that we typically wouldn't cover. Uh, There's a lot of automotive in there as well that that backed out. But the core things that we would be covering are still going to be there. So uh, if the OEMs are okay with that, uh, we are still planning on having coverage for it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you have to weigh the pros and cons of everything and you know as of right now i still see a pro as far as my coverage goes going to ces you know being being double vaxxed and boosted and kind of creating our own little bubble at ces yeah and only only doing what's necessary and not going overboard with you know all the parties and stuff that are typically uh, at CES, which honestly, it looks like they're still having in a lot of places. So there are there are a few. Uh, we did hear from uh, a couple of people this morning via email that a couple of gatherings have been uh, canceled, which is perfectly fine. Like, I feel like there's this 
you know what? I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold on to this thought until a little bit later because I do want to front load this episode about 2021 at large. Uh, we'll look at the future a little bit later, but let's take a look at this year that has been. Now, um, I should have pulled this up while we were getting ready, um, but let me head over to Pocket Now. And I know Jaime was working on something. I don't know if it came out yet. It doesn't look like it has, but I think he was working on like a top list of the year. Did you over at Fandroid do any like top lists of top year whatevers? We did a best of tech of 2021. Oh, good. Let me, let me pull that one up. So I wanted to go through these lists and kind of talk about like why certain things became our favorites, why maybe there's some surprises that we had in 2021. I, I can certainly think of a couple. Um, oops, there you go. I can certainly think of a couple. Uh, and I, I do want to talk about them a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm looking for your list though on Fandroid. Where, where is it at? I just sent you a link for it. Oh, you did? Oh, that was what... <laughs> that was the you telegram just heard that little ding. bing bong. <laughs> bing bong. Yeah, so the, the list was pulled together by our entire team. Um, we, we had a democratic voting system, so not all of my favorite products of uh the year made it to the top of the list and you're mad about it aren't you mad about it (laughs) honestly the the only one that i'm really mad about is the best smartphone of the year oh uh, because all the others are you know i could take them or leave them but it's one of those things where i i think you know the team voted based off of overall what is the best phone you could buy versus which is the phone you should actually buy Mm -hmm. and so uh, i don't know you want to start with that one yeah let's do it um so scrolling down the galaxy s21 ultra was voted as our best our our favorite smartphone for the year which honestly i can't really complain about yeah except for the fact that I was on Miriam Jawar's podcast about a week and a half ago, and I said my favorite smartphone for the year was the Pixel 6. Okay. And the reason for that is completely different from what the Galaxy S21 Ultra was voted best of the year for us. Um, you know, the S21 Ultra is the ultimate phone. I mean, it's it's in the name. And it will do anything and everything. It's suited for any use case scenario you can practically imagine except for its price, which is extremely expensive, which makes it a phone that very, very few people should actually spend their money on mm. because nobody there, there are people who need every bell and whistle. And that's exactly what the S21 Ultra offers. But the average consumer, considering the, pr- the fact that the average selling price for a smartphone in 2021 is right around $300, the average person isn't thinking about buying this phone they might want it but they're not actually considering it i i do think that a lot of these lists because i know um wasn't this also marquez's best phone of the year if i remember correctly Um, it was yes so i i feel like um and this is this is a mentality that i'm very i will be very forthcoming and saying i'm guilty of this as well best doesn't always have to mean the craziest or the most expensive or the most premium or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, if we used this metric, like let's put it this way. Do you remember that company Virtu from way back in the day? Yes. Can you imagine if they made a smartphone that had like a pixel quality camera that would immediately be at the top oh. of many lists, but oh, it, completely, but it's $5,000. <laughs> 
this yeah. is the thing. I mean, yeah. if if HMD wants to, you know, Virtue was owned by Nokia back in the day. If HMD wants to bring back the Virtue brand and you know kick that into high gear again, I'm all for that. But yeah. no, no one should have ever bought a Virtue phone. I mean, mainly like it was premium build quality and their you know concierge service, things yeah. like that 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 went along with it. Because but that the thing didn't mean is, it was the best phone ever. Exactly. I feel like a lot of the times, and I, I, I'm not saying this is a bad mentality. All I'm saying is that this is a mentality that exists. That best also translates to what phone does the most. But doing the most is not going to do everything for every person. And I think Mm -hmm. the best smartphone that's out there um, is one that could be, I I look at best as the most accessible, like the most accessible phone that also still provides so much for it. Now you can make an argument that a budget phone is kind of hitting that mark, but why can't we have the same marks put towards what the best phone um, mm-hmm. So I agree with you. The Pixel Six would be top of my top top of my list in that regard. Yeah, I mean, compared to the Pixel Six Pro, which is three hundred dollars more, and still a really good deal when compared to a lot of you know ultra premium flagship devices, um, being at six hundred dollars, having pretty much the same camera experience, save for the telephoto camera and you know a downgraded selfie camera, but it's still an incredible selfie camera. I would say it has better battery life. Uh, the flat display versus the curved display of the 6 Pro. I'm actually running through my uh, script right now because I'm going to be shooting my Pixel 6 review tomorrow. Uh, I just published my 6 Pro review last week uh, as, a, as a long-term review. And I, I said the only thing that I'm really griping about with the 6 Pro is that the 6 exists and it's the phone that people should be buying instead. Mm. Um, so with that, what would be your take on the best smartphone of the year? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind that the Pixel 6 is up there as well. Um, I think that there is a, a slight, a slight travesty in a lot of these lists that have been happening because I think everyone, I gave Marquez a lot of credit for saying that it's worth looking at phones that happened at the beginning of the year because we can't, we can't forget that phones came mm-hmm. out in the first quarter as well. On that note... I actually think the Oppo Find X3 Pro should have been higher on people's lists because I oh, think Oh, I love that phone. It was fantastic. It had a great design. It wasn't huge like the Ultra and its three cameras have I I would say it's competitive to what Samsung provided. Granted it didn't have a super far zoom, but that's something that personally I'd never really use anyway. But it's it's ultra wide, had autofocus. It was able to double as that macro and it put out some mm-hmm. really awesome results. The telephoto is there if you needed it. It was still good, even if it didn't have sort of like, you know, the pixel cameras. Um, I call it the pixel sauce. They didn't put the pixel sauce all over those (laughs) pictures. They didn't put the pixel sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the the main camera was like an updated Sony IMX, which did fantastically at the time. It was even put on the OnePlus, uh, was it the 9 Pro that came out at the same time? Not at the same time, but around the same time. I think that they used, they used, two of the same sensors for mm-hmm. the ultra wide and the main sensor which means it was the best ultra wide camera on the market exactly i think bar i think i think taken taken as a whole that that phone actually did a lot of stuff right um and i i i'm not saying it's the best phone on my list but i will put it out there that i think most people slept on it in their final end of the year lists well and i think th- I think it comes down to as well, 
not being available in the U.S. market. Agreed. Agreed. Which a lot of the publications are, you know, U.S. centric, and uh, you know, with that, a lot of the readership being U.S. centric as well. So, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where you do have to kind of play to your demographics. You know, why why say this is the best thing you could ever buy, and you know, eighty percent of the people who are listening to you aren't able to buy it, mm-hmm. right? It's like saying, hey, China, there's this Chinese car manufacturer that has the best electric vehicle on the market. And, well, that's good for them. We're in the U.S. It's completely irrelevant, right? Uh, but, I, you know, smartphones are a little bit different where you can actually buy an unlocked version and have it shipped over here. You know, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. That's how I got my first smartphones before smartphones were even a thing here in the U.S. market. Um, you just have to pay a little bit more and be willing to wait three weeks for something to show up in the mail. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, all right. So going down the list a little bit more, I think we can both agree, uh, best smartphone camera, um, Pixel 6 Pro. However, I will put the caveat here that it is still the stills king and it's better at video, mm-hmm. but I'm but there's a reason why I carry both the Pixel and an iPhone. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I would say the iPhone still wins on video quality. I would say the Galaxy S21 Ultra still wins on video quality compared to the 6 Pro. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I the way I'm shooting my review video of the Pixel 6 tomorrow, I am actually going to be shooting all of my A-roll with the 6 Pro. So everything that you see is just to show off how good it actually is. There's some depth of field there with how large the sensor is. Uh, rather than using my Sony a7 III, I'm going to be using the Pixel 6 Pro to shoot all of my A-roll for that. Um, it's still not the best, not by a long shot, but it's still really, really good compared to where Google's phones were just a year ago. Because that's they were the honestly, they were, they were bad. Like they were. I would say it's most improved out of all of them, but it was just bad before. That was the other thing. I can't believe Marquez gave, and I know we keep coming back to it, but that's another list that we have. I can't believe he gave mm-hmm. it to the Ultra. The Ultra, like if you looked at the Pixel 5 last year, <laughs> like the 5 to the 6, that's got to be the most improved. Like I think Marquez <laughs> really dropped the ball on that one because the Ultra, yes, it was better than you know the galaxy s20 ultra because that had some some defects but we literally went from a mid-range device of the pixel 5 to a really good flagship phone for the pixel 6 i i think that deserves the most improved (laughs) most improved yeah uh best foldable smartphone i love that this is a category now i'm sure mr mobile uh michael fisher himself uh i'm sure he's listening to this right now but he's like yeah foldables are getting all the um Galaxy Z Flip 3, I agree. Um, I'm still of the mind that the Z Fold uh, form factor in general, and it doesn't matter what generation you look at, I think they're all interesting, fun to use, still impractical in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think the Flip was the first one that showed it's still just a smartphone, and it has this other cool feature that you can fold it and put it in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And the fold functionality actually solves some issues with the, with the Flip 3, sorry, uh, where you can now take selfies with the main camera or the ultra wide rather than using the, you know, the, the selfie camera, which is good. It's just not as good as the cameras on the rear. And you get some extra, you know, folding capabilities where you can prop it up and watch a video or something like that without having to hold it. Um, I, I honestly think it improves on the standard slab form factor. The display still needs some work, um, but this is probably the first foldable device that I would recommend 
to for anybody to buy. Like if you have if you're looking to spend a thousand bucks and you're not worried about having the best of the best when it comes to performance or battery life or cameras, you just you want a good thousand dollar phone, you can buy this device and you'll be extremely happy with it. And all of your friends will be like, what the heck is that? Yeah. I and to give an illustration, Isa uh, would if she were here, um which, by the way, at the time of recording this episode, um, Issa's on her way. Well, no, she's not on she's the plane She's on a plane yet? No, not yet. Um, but she'll be here tomorrow. In the airport. Yeah, she'll be here tomorrow. Uh, I'm picking her up in the morning. Anyway, um, she and I both were complaining a lot in September, which I'm, I'm getting a little bit sick of these tech months, but um, September, where we were genuinely genuinely we bought our own we were genuinely loving the galaxy z flip 3 and then just just the deluge of tech started to come in to where we had Mm -hmm. to put it away and i don't think i have touched the z flip 3 since until a week ago where i um i had to i had to set up some samsung stuff um you know stay tuned for what that might be i had to set up some samsung stuff in my home uh and i needed my phone because the two factor authentication factor authentication that only works with another samsung device that's the stupidest thing like what if what if you sold a samsung device you can't do two-factor authentication exactly it's the stupidest thing it told me to find Uh, my flip and my fold both of which have just been and you know what i was worried because when i opened the flip it made a bit of a creaking sound because that flexible glass was like sitting like that in the cold for a while and i was a little worried i was gonna crack it uh but it was fine so I finally came back to it and I thought to myself, man, like in an alternate universe, I am just a Samsung channel and I would be more than happy to just like use this phone only because I, I, mm-hmm. I genuinely love that phone. I genuinely It's a good it. phone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, it's been, I've, yeah, I think what I've traveled three times within the past, you know, three, four months now for, for tech stuff. And it's, it's been my alternate phone that's been in my bag just because I can. And, you know, I love pulling it out. Uh, you know, you pull that thing out in the airport or, you know, as you're in the subway in New York and people, people look at you and you're like, yeah, I, I have a folding phone. You know, what do you got? <laughs> you, you got your iPhone. Congratulations. Now I will say, um, or I should ask, uh, you haven't tried the Oppo Find N yet? I have not received an Oppo Find N yet. Um, no, I'm, okay. I'm sad about it. They've I, they've said it, it should be coming as soon as they get more in stock that they okay. can send me. But uh, I'm waiting. So here's, on the so here's what we'll do. Given that we have so little to do at CES next week, as far as obligations are concerned, why don't I hand you my my Find N? Which I do want to try to get a video done on it this week before we go. But I'm happy to do this for you. Um, why don't you use it while we're in CES? Oh, I totally will take you up on that. Yeah. And then you can give your thoughts like in that context, because I'm going to do the same thing. with the find end for a week. Exactly. And because I'm going to, I'm going to be using the Xperia Pro I next week and vlogging with it at, in Vegas. Um, there you go. He has one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be vlogging with it just to kind of give some thoughts on it um i have i have i have a few th- we should we could talk about it next week actually uh let's make it a topic for next week um i have some thoughts as to why the pro i is the way that it is and it's both a negative and a positive thing um mm-hmm. so let's uh let, let's save that for next week but we'll circle back on that one since i bring up the find n i need to put it out there i don't think it's the best foldable it has been one of the most fun foldables that i've ever used um i want to call it uh, all of these people who are in either publications or youtube 
If you're going to make a list, please add this category. Biggest surprise of the year. Because this thing came out of nowhere. I, I, I adore this fine den. I am liking it a lot. If it just wasn't a Chinese ROM, <laughs> I would use it every <laughs> single day. You know, head over to XDA in a couple of weeks and there'll probably be a, a a new ROM that you can install on it or something. Who knows? True. No, yeah, like I, I completely agree with you as far as surprises for the year because we've seen concepts from Oppo uh, a handful of times. They showed off their rollable device that was actually functional. They sent it out to a couple of YouTubers that were over in Asia showing off the rollable. And like I, I love honestly that's the concept that I'm most excited about uh, within the flexible display space uh, simply because you don't have a device that's double the thickness mm -hmm. um, that you have to put in your pocket or carry around with you. But this one came out completely shocked me and probably a whole lot of other people because, you know, they were going down this concept of we're going to release this rollable and then they, they show off this device and I'm like, Oh man. And the fact that it's shorter than the Fold 3 and has a larger display on the outside, it, it feels like, it doesn't it feel like, I can't say how it feels like because I haven't held it yet, but does it feel like a more compact, like a regular compact small smartphone? Like Absolutely. Like Xperia That's, compact device. That right? is honestly what makes that device is the fact that you can use it just as like a singular, like a slab phone. Sure, it's thick and heavy, but it's usable compared to like the super tall display on the front of the Z Fold 3. Um, the other thing though is I will I will concede this point. This is the reason why I wouldn't call it my favorite, my the best foldable. It's one of my favorite foldables, but it's not the best foldable. When you open it up and you go to what Oppo calls the main screen, which is a proper way to say it, a lot of content that you want to watch or play, and I have played a lot of games on it, um, you have to set it up to be a 16 by 9 aspect ratio for it to be usable. If you do that, you are basically doing, and I'm going to do this on the camera, it's literally the same size as this. <laughs> it's literally the same. Your, your workable area mm -hmm. on that foldable device is the same size as a Pixel 6. So what exactly are you getting by unfolding this device if it's the same size as a regular phone? So that's that's one of my gripes with it. That's a bit of a sneak peek into my what worked and what didn't yeah. video. Um, but yeah, that's one of my only gripes with it. But it doesn't take away from the fact that when you unfold it and you have the option and then you can make it smaller, that's pretty dope. Like even with games in that like that, it, it forces you with a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. You'll or? you'll find yourself setting it to 16 by 9 more often than not, because the one this I think this would be another huge what didn't work is um the main screen, because it is almost a three by two, or honestly, it's almost a one by one aspect ratio. It's um, it crops in rather than expands the content, okay. which is so annoying. Okay. It's incredibly annoying on a lot of games. Well, and it's probably more of a limitation of Android itself, and you know, shifting the aspect ratios in certain aspects than yeah. than anything else, and probably something that they might be able to fix with software updates further down the road but. hopefully there already have been a few um some of the problems that like dave 2d and marquez and people were saying about the find end have already been addressed um so there are there are going to be updates to it which is funny because like this is a chinese rom that has google play store installed not necessarily all the services that's the other thing that didn't work was uh android auto i just can't get android auto to work on it that's like a that's, that's a won't. necessity <laughs> um all right so Continuing down the list, um, best gaming phone. I think there's very little to 
to to really dispute this. Asus just kills it with the ROG phone. I have not been able to use the ROG phone since like two years, two or three years ago. So hopefully, see, that's the other thing. I was going to say this later, but I'm just going to tease it right now. Part of the reason why we still want to go to CES is because we want to cultivate the relationships with certain companies. And Asus is definitely one of them. Um, Mm -hmm. For me, at least. I always go to their thing every single year, see their laptops, see all their stuff. And hopefully an ROG phone is in my future this year. Um, Moving on from that, I have to give you some credit. Um, As I was scrolling down this, this list, I was like... Oh, the iPhone's not getting any love. And then you said best tablet was the M1 iPad. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, I got to give you credit. Got to give credit where credit's due. <laughs> I mean, we are an Android publication, but you know, we're, we we give Apple credit when, when they deserve it. And they definitely deserve it as far as best tablet of 2021. The M1 Pro, iPad Pro is far and away superior to anything any Android manufacturer has put out this year or ever and it definitely deserves a place here mm-hmm. yeah i have the 11 inch um still have a video that i'm going to be working on for it as well uh what has become what has become an interesting uh uh, uh scenario for me is that the tablet a category i never really prioritize somehow became my third screen I can't believe I'm saying this, that I have a third screen that I enjoy having because when we're traveling and you're going to see this next week when we meet up in Vegas, um, I have my phone. That's the screen that goes with me. I have my laptop. That's the screen that I work on. But once I get back into the hotel room, I put all of those things away and I just quote unquote enjoy or even work on the third screen. It is the central hub of my like home away from home. Because the screen is just big enough to enjoy things, but it's also just small enough that I don't feel like I'm like lugging a laptop everywhere. Yeah, I'm still not at that point. Uh, I've always loved the idea of tablets, but I've never been able to use them as a working device. And with my workflows, honestly, uh, personally, I don't have the M1 iPad. Uh, other people on our team do, and they love it and use it for quite a few things. But it's one of those things for me where it just hasn't fit into my workflow, mainly with video editing. I know it can, but I use Adobe Premiere. And so mm-hmm. it's 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 not something that's uh, definitely suited for my needs. And I'm not willing to change my software because everyone's got their unique software features that they like and their workflows that go along with it. I'm not w- willing to... Uh, make that change yet but Mm. as far as a media consumption device goes i think tablets are okay um i'm still honestly for because you still have to hold it like uh, laying on a couch or laying in your bed you still have to hold it i would rather still prefer a laptop because it can hold itself Mm. fair enough um now on the topic of tablets uh we have the lenovo tab p11 as your budget-friendly one Quick question. I get that this is like a sub $300 tablet, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. Were you really looking for the lowest price or would it have been okay to bump up a little bit to the Galaxy Tab S7 FE? Um, well, I think that one there is $150 more. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that that's a 50% price bump. Mm-hmm. And considering that the average tablet in the U.S. is selling for under two hundred dollars, this is still on the high end of what the average consumer is willing to pay. 
I think this has everything that most people would want. Um, and honestly, I I prefer Lenovo's software oh, on okay. their devices over Samsung's software. Just um, MIUI, not MIUI, uh, EMUI. No, it, not no, EMUI. it's not. They're yeah. all yeah. <laughs> what is uh, Lenovo's? Oh my god, I don't even remember uh, Lenovo. No, Lenovo's do, doesn't have a name for theirs. I don't think. Oh, okay. But the, it's it's pretty stock Android. Like mm -hmm. it's a it's a clean experience. They do have their own custom launcher on there, but it's not heavily themed or customized. And uh, it, it's just a clean experience. And the performance of this tablet's really good. I've used it. The display is really good as well. And they have really good speakers on there, which is, you know, if people are looking to enjoy their media, it, it has that as well. So saving $150 on, you know, a 300-ish, you know, dollar device, if you're considering buying, you know, one or two for family members, having things for the kids, having, you know, a budget-friendly device that's actually budget-friendly versus, eh, it's $450. I, I, I wouldn't consider that you know, truly budget friendly. I do. Uh, I, I love that you mentioned sound um, to just double back a tiny mm -hmm. bit. The sound on the iPad Pro is part of the reason why it became the third screen. It's almost as if because the sound is just good enough on there that it almost feels like you're carrying around a tiny television. <laughs> it's pretty dope. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the With uh, a little sound bar. I mean, that would be great if you could. Uh, but yeah, I literally have that thing blaring in a hotel room when because I've traveled alone quite a bit uh, in the last few months. And it's literally just I come back, I turn on YouTube and I usually have something playing in the background. And that is the thing that I'm playing it on. So it's it's kind of what I what I what I gravitate to uh, speak on the on the topic of audio. And we're going to kind of like blaze through a little bit more. Um, best wireless headphones. I totally agree with you guys. Um, the Sony WH-1000X Mark IVs. Worst naming convention. You can give them that the worst. Yeah, well. <laughs> Sony, Sony just doesn't know how to name their headphones. I, it's, it's a mouthful every single time. But hey, the audio quality and the noise cancellation and the price for what you get for those is uh, on the money. Yeah, I, I did do a video on the AirPods Max and how. Here's the thing, though. The AirPods Max is like, isn't it? Isn't it a 2020 product? It's not a 2021 product, right? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. No, I think it's 2021. Uh, AirPods Max release date was December 15, 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would still I would still consider it a 2021 okay. product, you know, two weeks before the end of the year. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. People I, had already done their Black Friday shopping. It, it's, it's, it doesn't count if it's past Black Friday. Yeah. If you need to wait for your next, uh, for your January paycheck to get it. Like, and yeah. that's the thing. Those headphones are like massively expensive. I will still concede that I think they're overpriced for what they are, but they get close. They actually get really close. They're super comfortable. They actually sound really good, but I will give Sony the crown for better ANC and better sound overall. Yeah. And I would say Sony's due for a design refresh with these. So hopefully in 2022, if, if they release a new version, um, like they're not bad or offensive in any way, but they, with what Apple's released and what Bose has done with their designs, I, I think there's a design refresh that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, I ju forward. just now I got word from Isa that she's on the way to the airport. So there you go. Um, there you go. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next one, you're also giving Sony their flowers for what I do agree is one of the best earbuds of the year. And that would be the WF 1000X Mark. Was it three or four? Four. Four. This one's four. 
Um, the yes. XM4s, yeah. I do adore them as well. I haven't used them in a while because I will say, I think a close second, and, I, and th- again, this has to do with how you term the word best. We were mm-hmm. just talking about this right before the show. I think it, okay, I'll speak for myself because I don't know how, 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 I don't, I don't know if you do the same thing. I do find myself reaching for the nothing ear ones way more. Than. Um, they're just cool, yes. dude. Like they're just cool. They, <laughs> they are, but I, I'm, you know, if, if we do end up traveling to Vegas next week, I'm taking the Sony's with me because I want to use those versus um, my bag's just not big enough to to take the Sony over ear headphones. And oh, I'm sure. going to use the XM4s as my noise cancellation headphones on, on the flights. And the noise cancellation is undisputed within the category. Okay. I, like the, the, yes, the price, like the average person should definitely buy the, um, nothing ear ones they look cool um they perform pretty well they actually sound they perform pretty they sound well. surprisingly good because we didn't expect they, that. they do but they're they're i don't know i i still have issues with them and i think my issues stem from the early production runs that they had where there was some slight manufacturing defects oh, yeah. with them my earbuds wouldn't pair and sync all the time um when i put them in the case uh one of the earbuds wouldn't click in with the magnets properly and wouldn't charge so i would have one that's a hundred percent and the other one that was still connected to my phone Mm. and so i have there's still some issues as far as you know a brand new company trying to make brand new products that they haven't done in the past um that there's some quality control issues that need to be addressed and that's for me that's why they didn't make the list here i i will say i mean we both have a pair of the black editions at this point um those issues are thankfully addressed at this point but i will agree with you that that was qc was a problem because i have i have three pairs of the white ones because they because <laughs> they had to they keep just sending, weren't working properly yeah they just had to keep sending updates um the first pair that i had the other two pairs actually like I, I finessed getting a couple because I wanted to give a pair to to to, to people. But uh, the first pair, it wasn't that connection was bad. It well, technically it was connection, but it wasn't Bluetooth. It was the fact that the charging contacts on one of the earbuds wasn't ever fully flush. So there was always a low battery uh, indicator on, like I think it was the left earbud. So yeah, it, it's the same issue I was having. Yeah, yeah. So it was really annoying, and I'm and I'm the kind of person that always has one earbud in uh, whenever I'm not mm-hmm. like writing or anything. Um, so yeah, uh, I will say though, I have to say, nothing ear one. I have to say it's still it. This is a gross oversimplification, but there was a time in my life where I kept. It's it's a coincidence that they that they coincide. Uh, I would reach for my translucent Game Boy Color more than I would play my N sixty four. There was a time when that was true. And I feel like that is the same thing now is that I keep reaching for these because they're $99. They're easy to use, really simple, yet they are super cool. They have a cool factor that I think Mm -hmm. no other earbud tends to have. Yeah, I think think they hit it on the mark. There are a couple other earbuds that beat them on price and value and honestly, audio quality as well. Mm -hmm. Um, There's... um, yeah, there, there's there's some other brands that beat them, but not on the cool factor, and I, I think that's a big thing. Um, one of the one of the marks I took away from them in my review was also the size of the case. There's 
if if you own true wireless earbuds and they are something that you take with you all the time for guys at least this is something that is in your pocket mm-hmm. for 14 hours out of the day and this is one of the largest cases for true wireless earbuds that we've seen in a long this is what you would expect as far as size goes from a you know a white label chinese brand that you know they're just rebranding for a thousand different companies there is so much dead space in this case that uh compared to the other brands that are actually putting in the effort to make their cases smaller especially for the bat like the amount of battery life that they gave you with this like they could have given you 80 hours of battery life if they actually <laughs> used all the space inside of this case um it's like a, it's like a GAN, which, it's a gan battery inside like <laughs> well exact but there there i i would say there's 40 percent wasted space inside the case they could have made this case 40 percent smaller making I'll, it more pocketable i'll give i'll give you that i'll give you that i still think the cool factor kind of like softens that blow a little bit it um, softens it but not enough for me not enough for me. Fair. Um, and also, I will I will also concede, I'll, I'll totally cop to the fact that I am an EDC bag type of guy, so I always have a bag on me, so mm-hmm. I always have a place to put them. But yes, if I was only wearing skinny jeans every day, and it's not 2016 anymore, if I was only wearing skinny jeans every day, then I would have a problem with these for sure. Um, okay, so uh, we have a couple left. Um, best smartwatch, okay, Galaxy Watch, um, Samsung Galaxy Watch 4. This is yet another thing I want to revisit, potentially at or after CES. Let's check in on Google Wear at this Mm -hmm. point, because we are about to see, as we do at every CES, the Fossil Group um, announce some stuff. We might see other smart watches, uh, because we never really know if certain companies will decide to get into the wearables game. Uh, But yeah, usually with Fossil, we end up seeing a new gen. The thing is... Google still has this weird thing with Samsung where only the Samsung watches exclusive. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I can I see mean, why so, the so. best smartwatch ended up being the Galaxy Watch 4. I do think that the uh, the new Apple Watch is great as well, but it's just a size increase for the most part. So I can get why I, I see why the Galaxy well, Watch 4 took it. The the other issue why I, the Apple Watch didn't make the list was because it's only compatible with mm. Apple products. Mm-hmm. So compatibility was a big factor there. Like if we were looking spec for spec and, you know, features of a smartwatch, the Apple watch would have definitely won. But since you have to be in the Apple ecosystem to enjoy the Apple watch, it made it a no go for, for the list because even though it's not the best experience. Yeah. Even though the Samsung watch isn't the best with an iOS device, it still works and you can still use it if you want to buy the buy the watch. So mm-hmm. that that's why. Um and and Fossil did come out with their Gen 6 smartwatch, which, you know, from a hardware perspective, does match pretty much everything that the Samsung Watch 4 delivers, except for the fact that they weren't allowed to use the new version of, you know, Wear OS. Mm, yeah. Um, okay, so moving forward, I and I do think it is I I I don't know, maybe you and I could like wear our Galaxy watches during CES and give some thoughts on, you know, the state of Google Wear. Um, but yeah, the so we're go we we get into laptop territory. I'm not gonna go too far into these, but I I do agree with pretty much every one of these. Um I'm literally on a MacBook Pro 14 right now. Um the M1 MacBook Air is still the one that I recommend to most people who are coming back to Apple or are trying out Apple for the first time and they want to get into their laptop space. Um, I don't really work with Chromebooks a whole lot, I will admit. So I can't really say much about the uh Lenovo Chromebook Flex 5, but it is Chromebooks are always um 
a good deal. It's just not something mm-hmm. I use every day or even that much. Yeah, I'm, I am I usually don't use Chromebooks as well. Uh, we've been reviewing more and more of them on the channel uh, but and the website. And but I with two girls in public school now and everyone being issued Chromebooks, mm-hmm. it's become a, a category more that's more relevant to me on a daily basis. And it just the quality of the Chromebooks that they are issued at school. I mean, they give them ones that are IP rated and, you know, military grade certified. And so you can drop them downstairs. They're not going to break, but they're as slow as heck. And the displays are horrible. Like the, the bezels around the displays uh, that they give them are like an inch and a half. And it, it's ridiculous. So when, when you know, testing out uh, a Lenovo Chromebook Flex 5, it's night and day difference between a bargain basement device <laughs> that's built for for high durability more than anything else versus a more refined laptop like the Flex 5 that has really good performance, honestly, and has pen support and has a touch screen and a flip, you know, the screen flips all the way around so you can use it as a tablet. And it's still, you know, under, I think 450 to 500 bucks. I forget the price of it. Uh, it's, it's an amazing device for what it is. And the fact now that, you know, Chrome laptops run Android apps as well. I mean, you can install you can install Genshin Impact on here if you want, and you know, play I wanted Genshin to Impact. Tr- I wanted to try that with uh, what's the the convertible um, Chromebook that Lenovo made. I have it, uh, the Duet, the Chromebook Duet. The I Duet. To try it on that, yeah. Um, okay, so there are only a couple of other ones that I want to give some thoughts on. Um, what was one? Uh, Razer Blade fourteen. I will mostly agree with that one. However, the Asus Zephyrus G fourteen is also like right yeah, that, there with that it. was that was a close one. A couple of the guys voted for that one as well. Yeah. Um, our, the voting system we did was rank your top three. And so we, 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 we gave people's points for number one, two and three pick, and then the overall score one. Uh, but yeah, that one got a couple of votes as well. It would have been our, our second choice. Which reminds me, another big surprise of the year is the fact that I actually found some games I want to play that are compatible with the Mac. <laughs> oh yeah. There are some that are compatible with Mac. So there, there was, um, so Hades, which is a great roguelike game. So I, I, I highly recommend it to anybody who has almost any console or any PC or Mac. Um, you can play it on any device. Hades is a great indie game. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful time. Uh, but then, um, I, I kind of, I, I wanted to get into Final Fantasy XIV because, like, there's all of this hype around that MMORPG that everyone was... Because a new expansion came out recently and everyone was mm-hmm. hyped about it and it's been getting, like, tens across the board. So I, I just casually, while I was sitting in an airport, looked online and I realized Final Fantasy XIV Online, there's a was Mac compatible. version. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. So now I'm actually gaming on my Mac, which is nuts for me to say. Um, anyway... Uh, last thing I wanted to mention, and this is only something I figured out a, a little while ago, uh, because I just got my hands on the Anchor 637 as well. Are you as mad as I am that the Anchor 637 is only 120 volts? Uh, you want you're not bringing that you're not bringing that to Europe, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, I was so pissed because for- I wanted that to be my actual travel charger, but I can't bring it anywhere but America. The the reason for that is because there's not an inverter built in. Mm-hmm. 
and so and there's the ac outlets on the back they the, the price of it would have gone up by 20 bucks if if it would have been compatible in in the eu i would have bought it so bought it you, you would have bought it i mean they'll <laughs> probably have an eu version available uh, they probably do they, they probably like do, if you yeah. probably go to anchor dot you know italy it or fr or whatever <laughs> um no but as far as yeah it it was it was something that wasn't on my radar and then it was and i was like oh my gosh everybody should have this it's a wireless charger with magsafe cap- and all capabilities. those plugs like it's it, and then it's what is it two two ac plugs and then like four usb connections on the back which means you can plug in anything and everything into it and it will charge all of your things yeah i i, I loved it when i saw it and then i actually contacted anger and they sent that and the wireless charger as well which is also great um the uh the power bank i should say but the 637 man when i when i opened it up i was like oh it's a little bit bigger than i expected but then i looked on mm-hmm. the back and it just said 120 volts and i was so disappointed like ah oh, yeah. <laughs> so close all right i know a random that was a random tangent to go on uh but I, I i saw it on your list and i had to like i had to complain about it just a little bit um okay so going through all that list i think for the by and large all of this stuff really great um good job on the list uh for you and the guys over at fandroid um so now for the last maybe 15 to 20 about of this show after the break let's talk a little bit about what's to come Even during the break just now, we were talking about places we could be in <laughs> or things we're going to do while we're in Vegas. Um, okay, so here's the thing. When it comes to CES, uh, I don't really want... I, I, we've already kind of talked about this prior to the show. Um, yes, there are a lot of companies that are pulling out. We even got more just in the last like hour or two um, because of the, the variants, because of Omicron and whatnot. But I think I think by and large everyone everyone understands their side of it, and we're not going to stoke those flames whatsoever, um, because everyone is like honestly we're we like I said at the beginning of the show we are taking every precaution to do our main obligations and be safe on top of all of that. Like we literally are choosing not to go to so many things that any other year we will go to all of those things, and I think mm-hmm. there's this mentality that people have that. You know, even though the show is still going on, you also have to understand that the people who are still going, they're not going there to like go to a day club and like stand in the pool with 90 other people, you know, like we're not going there. No. Yeah, we're not going there to go nuts. We're literally going for the obligation that we have. Um, and even then, the, the, the precautions that CES as an organization have been taking across the board are pretty robust. I have to say, um, masks all throughout the thing, only vaccinated people. And they mean fully vaccinated, including boosters can only be in attendance by and large. And yeah, like so many of the events that we would normally go to that are very crowded are not even happening anymore. And even if they were, we were making the decision not to go to them anyway. Well, and the other factor to consider as well, uh, we don't know the full attendance numbers or registration numbers that they have for CES, but the the last email that went out probably the week after Omicron uh, listed the number of vendors that w- were registered, and it was about 50% of what there is in a typical year, and they also listed the number of uh, attendees that were registered, and that was 
less than 50% of what was there in 20, was it 2020? No, 2019. What was the last one we had? 2020. 2020. Um, And so the numbers already before the Omicron variant, you know, emerged was already going to be 50% less of what it typically is. And with, you know, a lot of press and media bowing out and also just regular attendees bowing out and, um, you know, a lot of the big brands that were there, you know, Microsoft, Google, that typically have a couple hundred people in attendance to, you know, demand their booths and have meetings and stuff like that, them bowing out as well. So um, I would probably say of the people who show up, it's going to be 30% of what it typically is. And if you know how big and vast CES is, if you only have 30% of the people in attendance, it's going to feel kind of like a ghost town, which means, Hey, we're all going to be socially distancing. So, yeah, indeed. And you know, if, if you live in, you know, a city like New York or somewhere where you're taking public transit on a regular daily basis that you're getting in a subway or getting on a bus, um, that's really no different than, you know, going to CES and walking down a hall. We were talking a second ago about getting dinner together most nights and what's the difference between us getting dinner in that city than you flying here and visiting me in LA? <laughs> you know, it's it's literally the same thing. And we are still taking the same amount of precautions no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, are we doing that so much to the point where it's too much? No, we're not, you know, because there are still those precautions in place. We're still going yeah. to stay in as much as possible. Um, anyway, Again, I didn't want to stoke any flames as far as that is concerned. I just wanted to put our position out there um, that we're we're taking every every step and measure that's needed. Um, now, what this discussion has done, though, which is something I wanted to touch upon for the last ten or so minutes here, is um, it's re it's reignited these these flame wars that people have regarding CES as a show and its position in regards to the rest of the year. And I think that is, um, everyone is allowed to have their opinion as to whether or not they want to go to the show, but to try and pitch CES as a terrible time and state that as fact, I think is like, I think that's, I think that's doing more harm than good. I think nothing good comes from that because everyone will have their own opinion as to whether or not they enjoy CES. And I think by Mm -hmm. and large, a lot of people generally think that while they for the most part, are okay with CES. It's Vegas that they don't like. <laughs> I'll give them that. Um, personally, I like Vegas. But yeah, it's just so interesting to me that there's been this discussion about whether or not CES even even deserves to be a part of the lexicon. And I think it's so dumb, personally, that 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 there's so many vocal people on the negative side. Yeah, I think, I mean, we always see it every year you know, leading up to CES as, you know, as the first press pitches hit our inbox for those of us who are media and press, uh, for those who don't know, you know, we register for CES and we going through the registration process, we have to pick and choose which categories we're interested in, which means then our contact information gets shared with PR companies that represent brands within those categories and just starts flooding your inbox with different pitches make sure you come to our you know whatever to see x new product and it's surprising how many emails just get deleted because there's so much that's not necessarily relevant but just so bad that you shouldn't even spend more than two two seconds looking at it (laughs) but with that 
as soon as those start happening, you can typically, if you follow anybody, any of the media uh, that covers CES, you'll start seeing people pop up and like, oh, got my first press email today for CES. Oh, well, this time of year is coming around again or not looking forward to CES. And so many people do that. That for me, as someone who's been in the press media for over a decade now, I, I remember my first CES, just the the sheer excitement of attending the show and being able to have a hands-on experience with all of these products. Um, I, I don't have the same, you know, fanboy enthusiasm as I did on day one, but as somebody who still loves the technology sector and loves getting new gadgets in my hand and playing with them for the first time, CES is, you know, with along with a couple other trade shows is the only real time that you can do that without having to send 75 emails to somebody and say, Hey, can I get a, you know, a review unit or go to Best Buy and having to pay money in order to get a product that I may or may not keep uh, in order to test something out. And just being able to be in that environment for me is still really exciting every year. And as I, I see so many people who, you know, have the same job as I do, you know, complaining about it year in and year out. Oh my gosh, I don't, really want to go to CES. I'm like, maybe you should get a different job. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe you should talk to your boss and say, you know, I'm completely jaded on technology and I, I hate it and I don't want to go to CES. And then it, your it, boss will say, you know what? You're reporting on technology. You're going to CES. <laughs> I, I think there is the you you bring up a really good point that someone's personal experience can kind of make them look at something a different way. But to try to pass mm -hmm. that off as the cardinal truth about what that show or that event is, I think is where I'm getting a little bit not really irritated, yeah. but it's it's just something I've been reading a lot of, and I think it's not the right way to look at it because okay. Mobile standpoint, Fandroid, you as a publication, look at CES mm -hmm. and probably think it's not a great mobile show. But there's so much else that it that it that it provides. Not only is no, our... and, but that's the thing. It's like, yes, we are our main bread and butter is Android smartphones, mm -hmm. but we report on smart home technology because it relates to your phone. You can control that from your phone. We report on audio technology because you connect that to your phone. We report on accessories and other things. And while smartphones may not be the bread and butter of CES, there are so many other peripheral technology seg segments that relate back to it. And honestly, if we weren't going to CES, we wouldn't have an opportunity throughout the year to see so many of those products unless yeah. we're buying them or, you know, being sent to review unit. It's not something that we would report on a regular basis. And honestly, a lot of those categories are more interesting than just another slab smartphone. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked, we just talked about all these other great products and categories for the best of 2021 and a smart, the smartphones are only a small segment of that. There's so much more. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of talk also right now about relationship building. And as I was alluding to earlier, it's great to be able to mm -hmm. see certain companies that perhaps I may not have been able to like work with on a close basis for the last year. Um, I'll just be forthcoming and say like, I'm looking forward to rekindling a TCL relationship. I'm looking forward to rekindling a uh, ASUS and Lenovo relationship. So like, this is the show that they thrive on. And you don't really get to see them in their element other than at CES. 
Um, mm-hmm. And also, I just want to put this out there. Like to anybody out there who really follows technology from an enthusiast standpoint, let me remind you, if you actually think CES is irrelevant, let me remind you that it was CES 2020 where the Asus Zephyrus G14 original model was first announced. How excited was everyone for that laptop? And it was announced at CES. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think I think this narrow mindset that people have that it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me, so it sucks, <laughs> is literally the kind of mentality that is toxic is toxic in our space, no matter yeah. what you're talking about. Well, and one thing to keep in mind: attendance for CES 2020 was the highest it had ever been, with more than 180 thousand people in attendance, and that was up more than more than 50% from 10 years previous. So CES as a trade show has grown 50% in 10 years. It's more relevant than than ever, I would say. No, there's not huge announcements that are made on a regular basis, but uh, it's enough where software companies who don't have hardware tech are now you know the biggest players within the space in a lot of a lot of times and they think it's well worth their time and money i mean just think about it you know uh, google puts out their massive booth outside of the cs convention center that's literally i, I don't know like twenty thousand square feet it's massive and they have this interactive display and they have a couple hundred employees i mean they that cost them, I don't know, five, ten million dollars. And yeah, Google makes a whole lot of money, but still ten million dollars is ten million dollars. They could mm-hmm. use it for R and D and spend it somewhere else if they didn't think that this was relevant. But they think this is definitely worth our time to spend our money on and you know, they they do it. Yeah. I, I keep thinking of other things that were announced at CES that everyone went nuts for later when they were actually like released to the public. Razor OLED laptops that was announced mm-hmm. at ces in 2019 like there's there, there are so many things that i keep thinking of that actually did happen at ces and i think it's just this is just me putting it out there that regardless of whatever the world situation is whatever the case may be to have this mentality that just because it doesn't appeal to you it shouldn't appeal to anybody it's it's the, where did this mentality come from like i get that that it's been around for a long time but and this isn't even me defending CES. If I didn't have to go, I wouldn't. <laughs> like I'm not even defending the show. All I'm saying is that this mentality is actually so short-sighted, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, that being said, is there anything you're super excited to see at the show so we can actually hype up our listeners to tell them, like, hey, this is what we're looking forward to? Um, well, as a lot of you probably know, we are privileged with certain information that we cannot share until certain embargoes lift. So yes, there are things I am excited <laughs> to see at CES. Well, based on um, trends, because I'll put it this way. I'm always happy to see Fossil every year because I want to see how those watches mm-hmm. are going to be in the, in the upcoming year. I'm always really yeah. excited to see Asus, especially after that original, that original Zephyrus G14 was put out. And also, um, that was also the first year that I got to see the Zephyrus Pro Duo that I now have oh, yeah. as an everyday laptop. Like it's it's insane to me. Like Asus is one of my favorite things about CES every single year, personally. Um Razer always has a lot of good stuff to show off. I still mm-hmm. have memories of Jaime playing Doom. Uh the first oh, Doom. Nice. Yeah, he was playing the first the 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 first 
Is Jaime good at video games? He loves Doom, and he was pretty good. Jaime, are you good at video games? Because <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine Jaime being a gamer. No, he he loved the 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 reincarnation of Doom because the latest one is Doom Eternal. So the original one is Doom. I want to say it was. I, I want to say people in the gaming community call it Doom 2016 because that's when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, he was at the Razor booth, and we were trying to get work done, but he was just slaying on on Doom, and I was like. I mean, we got to We got to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely things I'm looking forward to. I mean, the Lenovo always comes out with mm. a plethora of devices ranging from you know, Chromebooks to laptops to other categories as well. Uh, you know, Android tablets. Where I think CS 2020, they showed off their foldable laptop mm-hmm. with the foldable screen, which Mr. Mobile broke i think it what? didn't work for him well I, I don't think it ever worked properly for him oh okay it, it didn't work when when he got it but like the, there's there's always innovation to take a look at at ces and yeah lenovo always has something to to show off uh tcl always has you know either new smartphones or new tvs uh high sense as well uh, you know if you're looking at you know what tv should i buy later in the year it's going to be unveiled at ces um, hopefully there's going to be some new display technologies with those as well as we, we move up the ladder with, um, yeah, with TVs. TV. TVs are always a big thing at CES for yeah. sure. I, I would say TVs are the biggest thing at CES. Samsung, Sony, TCL, Hisense. LG, uh, LG. LG. It's one of the only, uh, this is one of the only times we can bring up that name again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they might have a robot vacuum or something oh, like fair. that. Who knows? <laughs> a refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's so much uh, media tech um, showing off new technologies as well as we move into um, move into next year. A lot of the things that were announced uh, about a month and a half ago from media tech, um, some of them should be on display for us to use for the first time and test out. Um, yeah, so there's there's definitely a lot to to be excited about. Um, but as you said, Fossil as well. Seeing those new new smartwatches is always fun. Getting hands-on experience with those before before they make it out to market. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, um, you know, regardless of whether or not we would have even been on the show floor, and as of, as of right now, we will be. Um, but even if we weren't, you would have coverage on Pocket Now and Fandroid, and even on my own channel of whatever announcements are going to be happening. And a lot of those things are going to be virtual, so it's going to be just like if we didn't go at all. So regardless of the situation, we will have CES coverage. So look forward to that over on Pocket Now, or look forward to that over on Fandroid. And of course, I'm going to do whatever content that I uh, am able to do, uh, and you know whatever my obligations are um, over there, um, over on my channel. So yeah, no matter what, you're getting CES coverage. <laughs> like That's just... The truth. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, with that said, we will see you next week. And Nick and I will actually be face-to-face, mic-to-mic, um, actually talking about whatever happens at CES, ideally. So we'll see. Who knows? Who knows? It could be that by the end of this week, CES is finally like, yeah, maybe not. But who knows? They might pull the plug, but who knows? They pull the plug the day we get there. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I already arrived. <laughs> All right. Well, Nick, thank you again. And thanks for being on the return episode uh, after I, uh, you know, just trying to get back on the trying to get back in the saddle when it comes to Pocket Now Weekly. Uh, and I'll get into the outro for this one starting now.
All of the links to follow Fandroid, their top 2021 list, Nick Gray and myself, all those links are going to be in the show notes. Uh, from there, you can head over to pocketnow.com for the latest headlines and for Pocket Now's look at the best items of 2021 as well. Make sure you check that list out. Uh, from there, though, you can head over to Pocket Now, uh, Pocket Now's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash pocketnow for video content that's coming out pretty much every single day. And then follow Pocket Now on social media with, of course, the handle at Pocket Now. With all of that said, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the Pocket Now weekly podcast thank you so much for kicking it with us and it's the first episode of the new year look forward to even more from us at ces 2022 we will be bringing you whatever we can whilst of course being as safe as possible while on the show floor in las vegas so look forward to content from the show floor and from vegas next week see you soon